Blog Talk Radio. Black Hole Radio presents Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness. With your hosts, Rudolph Muhammad and Yusuf Muhammad. There's a train of coming. You don't need no baggage. You just get on board. All you need is faith to hear the dealer's coming. Don't need no ticket. You just thank the Lord. train to Jordan, picking up passengers coast to coast, facing the key over the dozen bottom, For America, 
and a warning to the nations of the earth in the person of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. In those three great yet humble names, I'm honored to greet my listening audience with the greeting words of peace and paradise. We say it in the language of our ancestors. As-salamu alaykum. Wa alaykum salam, sir. Thank you, Brother Rudolph, for returning that greeting, which we are also taught is certainly a prayer, wishing peace unto you as you reciprocate and desire peace unto me. Again, welcome to another weekly edition of Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness. We thank our constant and consistent listeners. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We thank our first-time listeners. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We thank all of you for the honor of your ear and the privilege of your presence. We do not take it lightly here on Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness. Do us all a favor and ask yourself, where will I and my family be when disaster strikes? That's why it's critically important that you and I get informed, establish a plan, develop a survival kit, and periodically reassess your plan and your kit. As the gospel song instructs us, we need you to survive. And as the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan exhorts us, watch the weather. So again, I'm going to move on as your co-host, Brother Youssef Muhammad, and just thank you once again for we uh, are pleased to have the guests that will uh, have committed themselves to coming on today. And uh, as you may or may not know, um, being February, we, we highlighted uh, blacks in the all-hazard profession, be it the firefighters, law enforcement, emergency medical services, just all hazards about the history of our people. But we're going to bring it right on up to date to the modern day and time today and focus on mental health in the black community. And our subject matter experts will come and share what Allah has given them to give to us. So I'm going to get out of your way and bring on our dear brother, Brother Rudolph T. Muhammad, who's more than capable to co-host this program. I'm just eternally grateful he lets me hang out with him every Friday from 4 o'clock to 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And, again, if you're logged on by way of computer, you can share with your network that they can call in at 563-999-3089. And should you uh, want to engage in the conversation that we're having today, you can press 1 on your phone pad and our dear brother, Brother Forrest Muhammad will bring you into the queue. Shout out to blackholeradio.com, Black Hole Radio spelled whole, W-H-O-L-E. And those who are online, if you want to share with others your database and your network, if they want to come online via uh, the uh, electronic media, if you will, you can go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash blackholeradio.com forward slash D-A-F-C-P. So without further delay, it gives me great pleasure to bring on my big brother, Brother Rudolph T. Muhammad. Peace, 
Brother Rudolph. Thank you, Brother Yusuf. Beginning all things in the name of the Most High, the one true and living God, the great I am that I am, the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the one who is responsible for your and my existence on the planet this day and time. We are talking about that one who is responsible for all that was, is, and will be. Call him what you want to call him. Call him by any name that you call him. Just call him. Understand that he doesn't need us, but we certainly need him. Mm. And to show you the love that he has for us as his children, as his creation. He didn't just create us and leave us here first. He outfitted the planet with everything that we would need for our existence. Then he put us here. And then when he saw that we were going astray, he sent us reminders, warners, those individuals to help guide us back to the straight and narrow path. Now, whether we choose to listen to them or not, that's not on him because he's not even forcing any of us to even listen to him or do anything that he says. He gave us this life, and if you want to live it recklessly, he will let you. But he also has provided every opportunity for us to enjoy heaven here on earth while we're still around, not waiting until we die in the sweet by and by. So again, to that one, we call him Allah. And we thank Allah for appearing to us in the person of Master Fard Muhammad, who came to the shores of North America, And he came to the geographic location where I am, Black Bottoms, Detroit. And he came here and he worked amongst the people here. And while he was here, he met one, interacted with that one, taught and trained that one, spoke to him face to face as a man speaketh, to his friend, and that one was none other than the most honorable Elijah Muhammad. And then when he finished his work with the honorable Elijah Muhammad, he left the scene, and so the teacher left the student to do the work that the student needed to do. And then that student found a student and started teaching that student the same way he was taught. And that student that the student found is none other than our big brother, the champion of freedom, justice, and equality for oppressed people all over the world, the the heavyweight champion of speaking truth to power, that one who doesn't scratch where he doesn't itch. He doesn't bow and genuflect. 
that one who stands tall speaks with authority because he has authority. And he comes mm-hmm. at the head of a nation because he is at the head of a nation. He was sat in the seat of the most honorable Elijah Muhammad to steer and guide this nation, and that's what he has been doing. We are talking about none other than our brother, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. So in those three great names, Master Fard Muhammad, the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad, and the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, I greet you and we greet you, the listeners of Muhammad, the well-wishers of Muhammad, the supporters of Muhammad, and even those who are detractors of Muhammad, we greet you in the greeting words of peace and paradise of our salam alaikum. Walaikum salam, beloved. Thank you, sir. Uh, I, I, I'm really, I'm, you know, I didn't want to be long, but I had to take the opportunity because you never know. Like we used to sing that song in the church, Brother Yusuf, this may be the last time. It may be the last time. I don't know. So I wanted to get yes, my sir. testimony out to let you know that I know that there is a God who sits high but looks low. I know that there is a God who is any goodness of my own, but again, it's because of the grace and mercy of the God that he spared my raggedy butt time to, to still be here, which has given me hope to know that yet there's work that needs to be done and there are lives that need to be saved. You know, one of my favorite verses in the Holy Quran, Brother Yusuf, of course, is Surah 5, Ayat 34. You are paraphrasing, paraphrasing, and he who saves the lives of a man, it's as though he has saved the lives of all mankind. Now, what better grace and mercy could you get than that? That all you got to do is help save one in the time that you are on this planet, and you get the credit as though you have saved them all. Well, what's so important about that one that, you know, in the scripture of the Bible, it talks about Jesus. He forsake, forsook the 99 to go back after the one that was lost. Well, what's so important about that one? Well, because you and I are not the architect of this existence. We're not the authors of these lives. We don't know what gems, what jewels in each one of us. And that one that you get may be the answer to AIDS, may be the answer to cancer, may be the answer to leukemia, may be the answer to the craziness in the world today. This is why, sisters, do not destroy the fruit of your womb. This is why. Do not kill or try and get rid of that which is, you have found out it's coming into fruition even though you did not plan it. It may be coming under circumstances that you did not orchestrate. And see, circumstances and who can all orchestrate and move the atoms throughout the universe and have them form in 
into the things that he needs them to form into for the benefit of us all. So I'm going to stop with that, Brother Yusuf, because we have some people on the line right now. They're on the line right now. We have some guests on there, some experts in this subject matter that we're going to cover, try and cover today. We're talking about mental health today, Brother Yusuf, and this is a subject that it cuts close to all of us. I don't think there's one of us listening that this subject has not touched us or someone that we love. And because of the time that we're living in and the person, when they get together and decide that they're going to come up with a plan that's going to ill affect you or a group of people, and these are people in positions of power and authority, it talks about conspiracy in the Bible. Brother Yusuf, you know, you, you know about it because you're the pastor there. I'm just a deacon in this church. I'm just a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord, and I'm fine with that. Just allow me to be an usher, open the door, and seat the people as they come in. So let me get out of the way. And with, we have two sisters on the line right now. Um, and let me bring... Sister Chantel on first from Chicago. She's with the Ministry of Health and Human Services out of Chicago, and she is very duly qualified to speak on this subject because she has studied it and she has an answer to a part of this puzzle. So, Sister Chantel, press the yes, number sir. one. Walaikum salam. Welcome to Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness. And we would just like you to first just introduce yourself to the family, tell them who you are, where you're from, what it is that you do. And and we don't want you to be modest because we don't want you (laughs) to hide your light under a bushel basket. No. Tall and stand firm and affirm with a great cry that Allah is God and he is in the blessing business and he is here to help save those who want to be saved. But in order to do that, that means that you have to follow his way because that's the answer. So, Sister Chantel, introduce yourself to the family. Yes, sir. Uh, Thank you for having me. I'm Sister Chantel Muhammad. I currently reside in, well, near Chicago, and I am a part of the Ministry of Health and Human Services um, out of Mas Mariam, Chicago, Illinois, and I just have um, a deep passion for holistic health and living, and um, I thank you for today's subject. It is of, of great importance to which our community, for some reason, do not like to talk about. We don't like to address. And when we do, That's right. um, when someone is considered, uh, quote, unquote, crazy or have mental health issues, they seem to be pushed to the side or made fun of, ostracized. And, you know, that's unfortunate, you know, because um, the majority, it seems, of black people in our communities across America, at least, well, at least 20%. Of the adult black population is experiencing some form of uh, mental health complications, anxiety, and depression. Those are a form of mental health complications. 
And usually, especially women, um, when women are feeling down, sad, depressed, or whatnot, tend to go to quote unquote comfort foods. And comfort foods and is known as you know sweet. You know, you want to reach for ice cream, cakes, pies, cookies, whatnot. And a lot of us don't understand the impact that sugar has on the brain. That sugar, mm. that sugar releases uh, dopamine, an overabundance of dopamine, which enhances the depression and anxiety. So even though it is tempting to reach for the sugar-laden comfort food, um, our best bet if we want to get over that depression or anxiety or to deal with it in a better manner is to go for fruit or exercise. Exercise also releases uh, dopamine, but in a safe and healthy amount, not in overabundance. And uh, also, uh, sugar, while while I'm talking about sugar, it's not just in cakes, pies, you know, the normal suspects. It comes under different names, and it's found under many, many different beverages and and, uh, food products under different names. So, annoyingly, we are feeding ourselves an overabundance of sugar. And then we wonder why we're suffering from, um, you know, why, why, why we feel like a high at some point. And then an hour later, you just come crashing down. And you didn't even eat mm. You may have uh, pasta. They <laughs> just say you had a pasta meal. That is high in yeah. starch, which is a sugar. Um, and let's just say you had yogurt. You know, people are like, well, I don't even, I don't eat any of that. I go for yogurt. Well, yogurt, unless it's plain yogurt, is laden with sugar. Right. So we have, to, so we have to become avid in reading ingredient labels, and not just reading, but we have to become serious about understanding what it is that we're reading. You can easily, while we're in the store, just look up the words before you make that purchase. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Everybody got them smartphones. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, thank you, Sister Chantel. Hold that. Hold that. Don't hang up. Don't go anywhere because we're going to bring you right back on. I want to bring yes, this sir. other sister in now who is very qualified to speak on this particular subject. And I'm not going to tell you about it. She's going to tell you about it herself. Are you on the line? Yes, sir, I am. Please introduce yourself to the family and and tell them who you are and what it is that you do that makes you so qualified to speak on this particular subject. Yes, sir. My name is Sister Melanie, and I am a psychotherapist. So I'm a therapist, and I also... um, I've worked many, many years in the public education system being a social worker, and um, I work in special education. So now I work with many of our special education students and families who also most times suffer from what they have been diagnosed with is called an illness, some type of diagnosis or illness. 
I would not say that I am absolutely overqualified. I am learning in this subject area. I have been um, working with people, helping them on their journeys as well as my own for over 20 years now. So I started off very young as a social worker, very young working with women and children and and, um, little babies and now two adults, and now we're back in the middle in between with adolescents. So one of the things that Sister Chantal mentioned that really reminded me, it's so funny how we forget things, and then a reminder is a blessing. So she just reminded me the the effect of dopamine and the over amount of dopamine in the body, how it produces a sadness. It causes more depression to come in where there's already some, or if there's not any depression, it gets you a little lower in mood than what you were possibly before with high amounts of intake of sugar. Um, So as I was preparing to get on the call, I just was trying to think of some things that would make people realize some of the things that are going on that we just may not be aware of or we may be aware of. And one of those is... uh, the black black youth is the fastest growing uh, rate has the fastest growing rate of suicide currently. It's tripled. Mm. It's more than tripled. In two thousand seven, it was a three point seven per hundred thousand people. Now it is. I'm sorry. Yes, so it's a hundred and forty four percent increase in two thousand and seven to two thousand twenty, which is now three point seven seven. Twenty percent. On average, amount uh, 20% of teens on average, they have reported, are using marijuana. There is a link between substance abuse and mental wellness or mental health issues or challenges or being unstable. These are the kind of things that we set. You know, years ago, we, and still today, we as a black community do not, and Hispanics as well, we don't identify or we don't recognize and like to share when a loved one has a mental illness. And how do we say Uncle Jerry or Uncle Bobby is something different about him? This is the things that we would say. This is the way we would describe it back in the day. We wouldn't say that he's a schizophrenic. We wouldn't say that he hears voices. We may not have known all of those things, but we just knew he was different. And so we treated him. Oh, no, no, no. Turn the radio down because, you know, he can't take noise. We tried to do preventative things because coming from slavery, we had these things induced to us, which caused us to be mentally unstable. Anytime there's a, anytime a person has an injustice that constantly is going on in their environment, in their life, it causes a chemical imbalance in the mind, and it causes them to be abnormal, where they can't live and function abnormally. With like a person that does not need assistance, whether it be medication Mm. or whether it be the community. So that's how we kind of identify when somebody's, as we would say, off. Oh, he's a little off. Oh, she's a little off. What does that mean? That means that in the average setting, they have a difficult time maneuvering. They can't exactly figure out how to wiggle around just enough and not too much. They do loud things. They go off. We all have experienced family members or people in our communities, churches, and mosques that you know that you say the wrong thing at the right time to that one, their 
button will be pushed and they then go off. We also have we also have heard, I won't say we also believe, but I'll say I'm sure most of us on the line have heard that environment shapes heredity. So there's a lot of factors that have to do with mental wellness. If environment shapes heredity and my grandmother's schizophrenic, this society says I will probably have it if my grandmother was. Or if um my mother had it, then I probably will have it. If my mother had diabetes, then I'll never, uh, I will naturally have it. That's untrue. But it is truth in that thought process because the environment continues to give to the illness or induces, reinduces, reintroduces, makes excuses, does not believe that treatment is the best option. Pretending as if there's nothing wrong has been the option. Coddling mm. has been the best option. So these options that we have we have selected and used as the people has caused us the condition that we're in currently in terms of mental wellness. It is something that can be treated. You do not have to suffer from it just because grandma had it. There are things to do, even at home, but if you need to seek um, a little bit more extensive help, we should. So these are the type of things I just wanted to share today. I think I've gone over my five minutes. I do apologize. Thank you. Oh, no apology necessary. You brought up some great points, but I'm going to segue and let my co-host, Brother Yusuf. Yes, sir, Brother Rudolph. And thank you, dear Sister Chantel and dear Sister Melanie, for sharing with us your expertise and what has come to your mind as a baseline assessment, you know, as I listen to the both of you, I can't help but to think about a book that was published a few years back called Medical Apartheid. I don't know if you're familiar yeah. with that book, yeah, but um, the author is uh, a sister by the name of Harriet A. Washington, and the subtitle says, The Dark History of Medical experimentation on black America from colonial times to the present. And there's a chapter in the book, chapter 11, called The Children's Crusade. Research targets young African Americans. And so that was the first thing that came to my mind. And just to connect the dots a few years later, our dear brother, brother, Dr. Wesley Muhammad, published a book called Understanding the Assault on the Black Men or the Black Man, Black Manhood, and Black Masculinity, where he too has a chapter that speaks to uh, mind suppression and behavioral modification of the black male. That's chapter number 12 in the book. So to our listening audience, as references, I, I humbly recommend you try getting these two books, The Understanding of the Assault on the Black Man, Black Manhood, and Black Masculinity by our brother, Dr. Wesley Muhammad, and Medical Apartheid by Sister Harriet A. Washington. And um, I believe when Brother Rudolph talked about the conspiracy that's in the scripture, Uh, There is one, and I'm paraphrasing, that says, come, let us deal wisely with them. This was the 
leader of the government at that time in the Old Testament, unless they join on to an enemy talking about the males at that time, boy babies. You see, it was a conspiracy, if you will, but the truth to kill the boy babies and spare the females. So he was telling the people, come, let us deal wisely with them unless they join on to an enemy, multiply, and come against us. So the, the, the food, chemicals, the body, the history of our people in America uh, create certain chemicals. And no, it's not a conspiracy. It's documentation of hmm. uh, how our people are impacted psychologically. So thank you, sisters, for laying that base. For those who may not know who or what is the Ministry of Health and Human Services in the Nation of Islam, it's responsible for the health and the well-being of the members of the Nation of Islam who are registered and non-registered alike, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, as individuals, families, and communities. Health is defined as that state of being of the individual and his family and community that is the fulfillment of the ultimate perfection that is the intention of the creator. And so oftentimes, sisters, we, if not every time, we don't open up this program without giving respect to the creator of our being. Well, no matter what the disaster is, we can prepare for it, but unless we're holding on to the rope of Allah, God, holding on to the handle that will never break unless we break away from it, as the most honorable Elijah Muhammad said, then we can give you the resources, but you have to take the step toward the solutions that these sisters will be giving us. And I also know that um, the honorable minister, Louis Farrakhan, always told us to, it's one thing to do what you do individually, but whether it's spirituality, whether it's education, whether it's, disaster preparedness, it's all degree by degree. We take one step toward making ourselves better, and the creator will bring us people of like minds to help us make ourselves better. So we say here it's about community investment, community involvement, community uh, partnership for community risk reduction. So Thank you, thank you, thank you, sisters, for that baseline assessment. I'm going to fall back. I'm sure Brother Rudolph has many questions lined up, and if not, I have my share as well. So I'll give it back to you, Brother Rudolph, and if the sisters want to respond to anything that I said, fine, and let us ask the creator to continue to order our steps and make firm our feet. Brother Rudolph? Yes, sir. You know, one thing we did um uh, we pressed the fast-forward button, and we didn't um, give the rules of engagement, you know, for this classroom, Brother Yusuf. Let's circle back and, and give the people the rules of engagement for when they uh, come to disaster awareness for community preparedness. Yes, sir. Well, 
as I, I think briefly said in the beginning, if you're on the air and you're listening to this program, you can press one on your phone pad and you'll be brought into the studio, into the queue, and the engineer will bring you in for any questions, comments, or uh, constructive criticism or concerns you might have relative to mental health in the black community, our subject today, for our subject matter experts. Now, whatever we, we offer you today, going to be so much, so you can't remember everything. So we, we don't care if you have a pencil. Yeah, y'all remember pencils? It's erasers on the back <laughs> of them, right? And it's all good because, you know, we yes, all sir. make mistakes. I remember Elder saying to me, Brother Rudolph, Sister Chantel, Sister Melanie, I, I, I was, I was kind of embarrassed of a particular mistake I made. And her reply, the wisdom of the elders, was as such. She said, oh, baby, don't worry about it. That's why they got erasers on the back of pencils. And it made me feel so good. But anyway, whether you have a pencil and pad, a pen and pad, whatever your device, an iPod, an iPad, please use that to take notes. Um, we, we, will, we are recording this, and you can go back into the archives and retrieve it. But as Brother Rudolph said in his opening, we, don't, we know we're not promised our next breath. So don't waste right. time and think you, you have another moment to go back to the archives. Get your pen, your pad, your device out, and take notes. Thank you, Brother Rudolph. Yes, sir. Thank you. You know, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan gave us a definition of health. He said, when a thing functions in accordance with its aim for life, it's said to be healthy. So now let's just take that and, and run with that. And let's just think about it. As a community, as a family, as individuals, are we functioning in accordance with our aim and purpose for life? Well, let, let's 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 break that down and go I don't know. It seems like we're having some technical you, difficulties. Is, you, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Take over, brother. Take over, sir. All right. Yes, sir. Uh, pardon us, uh, brothers and sisters. We oftentimes say that technology is great. It's just not an exact science. So until we uh, troubleshoot whatever technical difficulties Brother Rudolph has, I'll cover down. Um, I, I, I recited a scripture um, but didn't give you in the um, the book of Exodus, chapter one, uh, verses eight through ten, come let us deal wisely with them. So I did, sister, sister Chantel, sister Melody. I mean, this is more than just a trend, a trend. Touching in the nerve. Black help. Okay, we got brother Rudolph back. Brother Rudolph, you were cut off for about fifteen seconds, brother. So. Yes, sir. We must be must be touching a nerve, brother. We must be touching a nerve. Here they go again, playing with the playing with the, <laughs> with, the, with, the, with, the with the receivers there. The turn, moving the antenna. Yeah, yeah. You know, listen. Um, the easy. Let's go for the easier question. Do we know what our aim and purpose for life is? Uh, Mr. Falcon did a lecture. He said, uh, 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 what was the title? 
Blessed is the man who um, finds, knows his purpose and found who doing knows it. his purpose and is found doing it. Right, right. That is a blessed individual to know why you're here on the earth and to be working towards your goal. Yeah. So you know, these are just some things, as our singer you said, to make us go, hmm. So now let's get back to this. Let's get back to this major question and situation that we're dealing with, the mental health of the community, the mental health of the black community in particular. We're talking about a group of people have suffered one of the most horrendous and horrific crimes to have ever been committed on another human being in this lifetime. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about a group of people who were stolen from their home, robbed of their culture, their language, and their history, force-fed a lie, and that lie took on its own life. And now that group of individuals operating under whatever conditions they're operating under, but they are always the blame for what goes on in society. That's who we're talking about. So now, how do we get back to, uh, let's say, ground zero so that we can start moving forward or moving toward a healthier existence? What are some of the steps that we have to take on a daily basis to navigate through the maze of stuff that goes on from the time we wake up to the time we go to bed? And that question is for Sister Chantel and Sister Melanie, and I'm going to just put this statement on it. The reason that I asked that question is because in a few minutes I'm going to come back and we're going to talk about the legalities of the mental health arena. Okay, so sis, whichever whichever one of y'all want to, you know, deal with that, however you see fit, um, the floor is yours. How do we navigate, let's just say, throughout a 24-hour period um, with all of the things that go on in a daily basis, how do we keep our balance and not go too far over to the left or the right where one could could say that they think that we are mentally unstable and then get us into the legal system and into a lockdown based on mental health. Excuse me, this is Chantel. (laughs) Yes, ma'am. I wanted to that wow, that that was a big question. Um are you saying someone that's already dealing with mental health complications or 
don't you know, or just well, regular e- people. Either way, either way that you want to answer it, because there's an easy easy part and a harder part. So either way that you want to give some some answers to the family to help give them some tools, because mm-hmm. again we're going to talk about the legalities of being uh, of that stigma and that term mental health in a few minutes. Okay. Okay. Well, I um, well I believe. Okay. If cause you, it, it's at different stages. Because you have some that need medication and you have some that don't need medication. So I'm going to start with the medication, the group that's not, that's without the medication. So as you know, within the Nation of Islam, every month we do a national three-day fast. Yes, ma'am. And within that fast, between the hours of 12 to 18 hours, that's, that's considered stage two. That's when mental clarity yeah. um, part part of it kicks in. So there's a protein in the brain called brain-derived neurotrophic factor. Um, it's a protein that that um, protects the the brain cells. So when you're fasting, those brain cells are enhanced, and that 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 helps. What um, and they found that if you can go at least three or or more days fasting, <clears throat> excuse me, that helps with mental health. Um, mm. Like I said, now this is, this is without medication. Now, and also um, eating protein at every meal. Now, I'm a vegetarian, so for me, protein would mean navy beans um, because yes, those sir. navy beans or, or because those, that protein contains an amino acid that helps regulate your mood. So, okay. that, and then those that do need medication, you know, which is, you know, it is what it is. It's fine. If you need it, you need it. Um, like here in Chicago, there is a um, <clears throat> black women's group geared towards mental health. Um, it's called Sister Afia. And they offer community um wellness checks and then you can um is group care it's they also offer one-on-one care so i would i would suggest like i said if you're in a lower spectrum try um you know nutrition and diet fasting if you're in a higher spectrum then do what you need to do therapy medication you know all those avenues thank you thank you sister melanie Yes, sir. Um, I would like to offer a couple things that we can begin to do, whether you are taking medication for your mental struggle or not. Those of us that just sometimes get sad, sometimes get extra frustrated, sometimes have difficulty navigating the day. In a 24-hour period, your question was, these are things that we can do. We can do things like, Forgive yourself for the past. We can do things like leave the past. A lot of the things that we struggle with in our daily has to do with stuff that we can't change. So knowing and forgiving yourself for the things that have already happened, the mistakes, the wrongdoing, because that weighs on the mind. 
and we constantly replay, replay, replay. We allow others to replay our shortcomings and things from the past. Mm-hmm. So begin to get some separation yeah. there in thought because it is the thought that we have to get control over. Not always some other things, but it's the thoughts that drive us into those spaces where we begin to act where we say other than ourselves or we become a nuisance in public, right? And so quieting of the mind, quieting of a mind is something that we can do for free by ourselves. It's a 15-minute thing. You set your clock, and it's like going to the gym. The first day is tough. After six months, it's not. But it's a, it's a way you begin to train your mind to quiet your thoughts. So that's something that we can do whether you're on medication or not because it's helpful. What does it do? It causes you to bring it back into um, where you're kind of mellow, you know, and so things are more rational thought is reintroduced when quieting the mind. So mm. quieting the mind is a 15-minute thing. You can begin to do that today. You just pick 15 minutes. You can hear the sound of a fan. You can hear the sound of a clock tick. And if you have to begin with counting, in order to get to that 15 minutes, you just train your mind. It does, it does a wealth of things for the body as well as the mind. Therefore, your behavior will be different. Because remember, it's always behavior that that's the trigger. That's the thing that we know something's off, the way you behave. Um. There was something else, that, that whole question that you had, that's a lot to unpack, but I did want to offer that. One other thing is talk therapy. All of us, most of us, even if we have government insurance or private insurance, or we don't have either, let's say we file in between that, there are, you can Google free talk therapy because there's 1-800 numbers at the government and people like that that have trained professionals that can help navigate you through some of these thoughts when they get a little tough. We should never be embarrassed to seek out counsel, to seek out someone who's a bit more qualified to navigate us through. doesn't mean we don't believe in God because we do that. It, believes, it, it, it could even mean that we really, really, really believe in God when we use the tools that he's offered us here to make us better to make our lives more more pleasing, you know, so to ourselves, because the one one thing that every single human being has that is the same is we all want to be what? Happy. So we do everything in our environment, you know, to make that happen from what we choose to eat, where we live, who we marry, what we wear, how we believe, choose to believe, what we want our children to do. Everything is to just enhance this feeling. So it's, so right. we have drugs, street drugs, and other things that have given us those things that access to that feeling, but we can learn to get it naturally, whether we have mental issues or not. Um, I want to stop right there because I don't want to overtake, but I hope that was helpful for someone. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Yes, it was. Um, now, there's somebody else on the line. Oh, oh, you know, I'm calling you out, daughter. I'm calling you out. This is my one of my daughters here that's on the line here. Um, uh, um, so press number one and come on into this conversation. Um, bro, uh, brother engineer, if if you would, um, 
Look on, yes, look on your board. Uh, everybody's on, brother. Everybody, everybody in the studio is connected to the studio right now. They are live. Okay. So we, right. have sister, we have well, we have sister Melody. Okay. Shanique, you won't want to, uh, yeah, I just called you out. I just called you out. Yeah. Press number one and come on in and, and talk. This is a conversation within the family to help the family because we know we're not going to get the help anywhere else. So if we don't help ourselves and help our people, how will they ever get the help that they need? When you feel comfortable, just press the number one, and they'll bring you in, and we can talk about it. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, there is a um, legality. Now, every state is different. Let me preface th- th- that this next statement by saying this. All states are different, and the laws are can be vastly different um, depending on what state you're in. So it would be a good thing for you to check the mental health laws in the state that you live in. Um so that you can understand exactly what the law says about mental health in your state. All right, for instance, I'm in the state of Michigan, okay? And in the state of Michigan, there are two ways to get help for mental health, okay? Um, And the two ways are voluntarily and involuntarily. And I'm quite sure that holds true no matter what state you're in. There are some slight differences in the two, and then there are some similarities in the two. In order to treat or a mental health order can be forced upon you based on your behavior, in society, and someone actually going on record and filing a petition with the court stating that you are a danger to yourself or others. And at that point, you will be taken into custody and you will be forcefully evaluated. Um, The mental health arena has this thing called a 72-hour hold, where they're saying that you need to be evaluated by a psychiatrist within 72 hours, and so they can literally, literally, legally, they can detain you in a facility for up to 72 hours to get that 
consultation with a psychiatrist or get that exam done by a psychiatrist on you. And during that time, now this is where the stuff starts. Because during that time, now they're, they, they can forcefully medicate you um, as well as forcefully restrain you or what we call uh, uh, um, put restraints on you where you're literally tied down to the bed for a certain amount of time each day just based on your behavior or statements that you're making. Now, we we all get frustrated sometimes and pop off and say things that under, depending on who hears it, and who's on the other side of that statement, they can take it whatever way they want to. So that's one issue. But the other issue is once they have you in their custody, now is where the stuff starts. So the trick is to stay out of their custody so that you can maintain a little um, bit of control over your person and over yourself. So I was just throwing that out there. Brother Yusuf, I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, but I, I'll turn it back over to you. Well, thank you, Brother Rudolph, and thank you, dear sisters, for what you've offered thus far relative to uh, Brother Rudolph's question, which we all agree it was kind of loaded. You can go so many different ways with it. But I just want to sum up something real quick of what I heard, you know, about the challenges, and I want to focus on uh, two groups the youth and the elders. I'll start with the youth. You know, our dear sister, Sister Melanie, talked about uh, the suicide rate, and, of course, we're talking about prevention, and it was based on the research that, that's out there and the challenges that our young people have. You know, what young people are viewing on social media, I think we can all agree, impacts their emotions uh, what our young people are experiencing as um, the crisis of police brutality and how to prevent that or at least know what to do uh, should you be uh, pulled over by the police. Um, either way, you can be met with aggression. You know, and then when we talk about fratricide where our youth are killing each other, almost desensitized to human life as if it's a computer game. And, um, again, it's a multi-approach we know to the mental health in terms of, you know, professionals, how to deal with it, clinical on that level. Um, There are very little connections. I know, Sister Melanie, you said you had some experience in the school systems. Um, It's really not you know, to the degree that they're dealing with it, in my humble opinion, it's almost like a Band-Aid approach to a hemorrhaging elephant, you know, in the schools. So so let us talk about what we can do, our listening audience can do to create kind of a, a safe space for the youth. In other words, you know, you talked about the importance of that um, talk therapy. Uh, Sister Melanie first and then Sister Chantel, 
what is it we can do for the young people relative to the bombardment of things that impact their emotions, impact their behaviors? Sister Melanie, are you there? Can I be heard? Oh, I hear you, Brother Yusuf. Okay. Sister Chantel, are you there? Could I be heard? I can hear you. Yes, sir. I can hear you. Would you like to um, respond to that in any way? Um, The only response I can say is what Sister Melanie already stated is talk therapy. We can create the safe space. Um, You know, it would be good if more children of all ages can you know, go to their parents, uh, but that's not always the case. Or, you know, someone that there's an adult at their school or um, a friend's parent, that would be good. You know, uh, even someone at their church or mosque, if they're involved in church or mosque. Um, I believe all these things will kind of help curtail um, a lot of these suicides or um, suicide attempts and other um you know, dangerous activities that a lot of our youth are now engaging in because I see it posted almost weekly on Facebook, um, the suicides in Chicago. It's primarily black males, not so much just the youth, but of of all ages every week, um, mm. and no one is talking about it. And and then uh, just- brother, what Brother Rudolph just said about someone can – just go to the court, I guess, and make an accusation against someone, and that person will be de- detained for seventy-two hours. That's that's yeah. not, that's crazy. You know, um, no. you know. Let, let 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 me put this out there. It's called the fifty-one fifty. The 5150 is the number of the section of the Welfare and Institutions Code, which allows an adult who is experiencing a mental health crisis to be involuntarily detained for a 72-hour psychiatric hospitalization when evaluated to be a danger to others, himself or herself, or gravely disabled. It's called a 5150. Again, like I said, every state is different, so you need to check the laws in your state, but they're very similar in their wording and in interpretation and, of course, execution. So in every state, there's a code where you can petition someone and you're petitioning to the court you're saying that person is not acting right. They're, they're, they're doing things that a, 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 a rightly thinking person would not be doing. And, again, it doesn't have to be true. You just have to present a good case. And generally what happens is you know what happens when people lie on you, right, Brother Yusuf? The more they lie on you, the more irate you get. And mm-hmm. so it almost makes it look like they're telling the truth because you bouncing off the walls now trying to plead your case right. when that's not the time to do it. So you're making yourself look as guilty as they say that you are. 
Yeah, I'm reading the Indiana law, and, and the Indiana law, um, you can't just do that. You can't just walk up and, you know, make a statement. You have to have a written statement by at least one physician backing with your claims. See, and that's good in Indiana. But here where I am, anybody can petition anybody at any given time. You don't have to be a clinician. You don't have to be a medical professional. All you have to do is get to a facility or get to a police officer and tell them such and such and such and such, whatever you're going to do, and be willing to go ahead and file that, fill out that paperwork at the hospital for that individual. And that's a dangerous precedent. But I'm quite sure Michigan is not the only state where that's the uh, order of the day. I don't have it in front of me, but I know the state of New York, at least 10 years ago or so, I know from experience, uh, um, was similar to the one there in Illinois, Sister Chantel. You know, it had to be signed off by um, a medical profession, a doctor, or an or a institution if they had been in there uh, more than once, it's almost like um, that uh, criminal law, three strikes and you're in. It was almost right. like that. If you had been to a mental institution twice, the third time if you deny the type of therapy that the doctor is um, prescribing for you, then um, they have the right to... Um, send you to a psychiatric hospital is almost like to a prison and throw throw the key away. And and on that yeah. note too, you know, I don't know what the statistics are, but I think we all can agree too that too many of our people are sent to prison and don't get any uh assistance in terms of mental. They just put those who may have uh chemical imbalance in prison versus putting them in or giving, getting them treatment, be it a psychiatric hospital or not. That's true. That's true. You know, and, and of course, we know, we know that we're facing an unjust system here because if you're black, you can sit to prison for mental health disorders. If you're white, you get sent to treatment, or at least you get offered treatment. And we see that played out many, many times. So, you know, it is what it is. That's the reality of the time and the reality of the day. Um, Our focus here is to try and help our family to navigate this slippery slope to keep you out of their hands so they cannot do the things that they have in mind to you. Now, I will say this. One of the bigger issues is, Sister Chantel, you touched on it earlier, or Sister Melanie spoke on it earlier, when you were talking about smoking marijuana, where now they have so-called legalized it in a lot of states. So most of our youth feel that because they say that it's legal, that it's okay for them to go ahead and smoke not realizing what they're actually doing, they're actually taking into their body and what it's doing to them. Brother Yusuf? 
Yeah, very good, very good. Um, a couple of things that, um, based on my question, that as I did my little research, um, uh, when you're talking about making sure the young people's voices are heard, you know, try to create an open dialogue, right? Try to ask them the question whether you ask it this way or not. Can I check your temperature? Not putting a th- uh, 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 thermometer in their mouth, but just checking where they are mentally. Ask them how right. are you feel- feeling today. Express encourage them to express their feelings because many of them feel like they don't have an identity and many of them don't feel as though the people that have tried to help them in the past are authentic. So you be your true self and try to help these young people and involve them in the decision-making of, you know, trying to get their life more back on track, more in order, because the reality is with all the circumstances and conditions that they're impacted by, they feel depressed. They feel hopeless. There's a history of trauma. And, um, you know, I just wanted to share a couple of those things and um, what we talked about before in terms of a multi-level approach, partnering with other Others of like mind, I want to give a shout-out to our sister, Dr. Nell Prim of the All Healers Mental Health Alliance, who's been with us in the past. I want to give a shout-out to uh, Sister Monique Muhammad, who is a member of the Black Psychologists or the Association of Black Psychologists, which they affectionately call themselves ABCI Incorporated. And then Black Psychiatrists of America, these are just some of the organizations that have dedicated themselves to helping our people as best they can. And, you know, a couple of individuals that we're quite aware of is Sister Queen of Four out of Brooklyn and Sister Audrey Muhammad, who writes an article consistently called Fit to Live in the Final Call newspaper. I just wanted to add that to our conversation. Brother Rudolph? Yes, sir. Um, Sister Melody, Sister Chantel. Um, yes, sir. Are y'all still on the line? I'm here. Okay. Sister Melody, Sister Melody, uh, Sister Melody dropped off, brother. Okay. All right. Sister Chantel, okay. What are some of the things that we can do that's within our power to keep us um, so to speak, mellow, so to speak, and not be enraged all the time, um, and not flying off the handle at, at things. <laughs> well, I, I believe that um, two things, prayer, constant prayer, um, if you're the type of person that don't pray or don't believe in prayer, in meditation, or you can do both, prayer and meditation. Always, always, because of the times that we're living in, every you know, people are on edge. We're all, you know, for what one reason or another. Always think before we do, think before we speak. Um, 
and stay away from stimulants that's going to um, make you act other than self, alcohol, drugs, which includes weed, um, even even um, you know the bad the bad foods you know the fried foods the fast foods again over sugar sugar consumption all these things play a role in in our entire makeup so if we can just take time for ourselves take a deep breath relax and just you know let let's just say you're driving someone cut you off instead of you know going to a flying fit. Just slow down, take a deep breath. It, you know, it is what it is. And, and you know, is it think to yourself, is it really worth it? You could be in a store right. and, and, and um something happens in the store. You know, sometimes we just have to as that cliche goes, be the bigger person. Um you just have to learn we we have to learn to let some things go. You know, just and it's not that, you know, we're being soft or pushover. It just our mental health is more important. Our physical health is more important. Um, you know, we don't want to be in jail or someone's institution of any kind. So we have to think, especially if we're parents or grandparents, we have to think about these things. You are so right. And, and you know, our life is more important. People are so stressed out nowadays and on the edge that sometimes that's all it takes. It only takes a word to cause a person to go completely off. Yes. Sometimes, you you know. So you you are certainly right about that, Sister Chantel. But there was an incident. Yes, ma'am. There was an incident a couple months ago. I, I I wasn't there. I saw it on a video, <laughs> um, this lady was inside of a grocery store, and she said that she was in an aisle, and a man who was also shopping, he was in the same aisle, and she asked him, "Has he? did he ever use some product that they were both looking at? And in that instant, he just went off. He just beat her right there in the aisle in the store. Wow. And, yeah, this wow. just made their local news. And, you know, I'm seeing, you, you know, if you, you, you'll see more and more of these stories, you know, it's, you know, you'll find that someone seemingly did something innocent or asked somebody something innocent and that person just completely flipped. So it's like you don't know who you're dealing with today. You, you just don't know. Yes, ma'am. Ma'am. Yeah, you're right, sis. You are so right. We just don't know. Brother Yusuf? Yes, sir. Thank you, Sister Chantel. You know, how could I uh, forget um, giving a shout-out to our dear sister, Dr. Sophia Shabazz, owner of the med- and medical director of Philadelphia's Fountain Medical Association, and our dear sister, Sister Dr. Patrice, there in Chicago. What's the name of her uh, institution, Sister Chantel? Health at its best. Health at its best. Yeah, she's been on the program as well. So definitely want to give yeah. them a shout-out for all that they have done, are doing, and will do by Allah's grace and mercy. In fact, shout-out to Sister Nisa Islam Muhammad, who's a staff writer for the Final Call newspaper. On page 10 this week, she has an article called 
lifestyle changes are needed now more than ever. And she deals with a report that came out that talks about poor diets, alcohol, tobacco use, physical inactivity, and obesity are uh, linked to an early onset of cancer. But whether it's uh, what we talked about previously in, in today's program, you know, finding out that physically uh, you have a, a impediment like cancer, which many people think that's a death sentence, then that certainly has an impact of uh, that certainly has an impact on how you think, and as it's connected to your behavior. So, brothers and sisters, wow. we're at five nineteen p.m. Eastern Standard Time here on Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness. Feel free to hit uh, number one on your phone pad to come in to the queue into the studio. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in to another weekly edition of Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness. To whom are we speaking and how may we serve you? Hello, caller. You're on the air. You're in the studio. I don't know if there there's some technical difficulty. Yeah, it's technical difficulties, brother, because Brother Forrest got himself on mute. <laughs> oh, it's, yes. Do y'all have a pen and paper? You got your pen and paper. I have a very complex series of questions I'd like to, to for you to attempt to answer. Are you ready, sister? You ready? Okay, I just want to make sure. All right, so the first thing I'd like to say thank you all for uh, broaching the subject. I've had mental health issues in my family and me personally because of my near-death experiences. I was having night terrors and day terrors, and I had to go get professional help. I got the professional help. However, when I went to to the therapist, well, I went to a psychiatrist, and they had a talk group. But these people I could not relate to because their, their lifestyles are totally different than mine as a Muslim. So, you know, that was a big issue for me. That was a big issue for me. I, I hung in as long as I could to try to get the – try to um, extract the benefits of being – of talking about it. I did get some useful uh, de-stressing tools to help me when I felt a panic attack coming on so I could prevent it and I – Got pretty good at it. However, when we're dealing with our our children and our parents, everybody, and as Brother Rudolph said, even Brother uh, Yusuf said, you have to have a medical um, person sign off. But that's not necessarily true in New York City, brothers. I don't know about New York State, but in New York City, you could be uh, put in a mental institution for 72 hours and be treated, and some very horrific drugs would be uh, injected to you because if your person is really having a mental break, they can't even tell them who to call to be their advocate. You understand? I'm talking about a person with a true mental break. I'm not talking about somebody about to break down. I'm talking about someone who is, has, is having a mental uh, schism and now they have no way to say call Forrest or call uh, whoever is the call, call Rudolph. There's no way for them to talk because they're not in their right frame of mind. And in New York State, 
um, medicine is racial. It's always been racial. It probably always will be racial, racial because they don't care what they want to experiment on people. So that's why they hit mm-hmm. you with certain drugs. And we have a place in New York City called Randall's Island where people are just, they have a building about as big as uh, two college dorms where they keep the mentally mm-hmm. um, unstable. And that's because mm-hmm. they put every kind of medication in them, and now they, they'll never come back. They, they'll never regain their full faculties. So I, my question is, sister, how do we identify these um, people before they go off, before they get there? How do we intervene? Because what my greatest fear is they're going to recommend something for me to say, sign off for, for my child that, will, that will, they will never recover from. Their brain cells will be burnt off and they will never recover. I think we got Sister Melanie back. Uh, <clears throat> and is the Department of Health and the Nation of Islam going to write a book on this? Because we are coming into a time where people are going to be losing it. Uh, I was telling Brother Yusuf and Brother, um, Brother Rudolph, I just lost a, a neighbor of mine in a fire uh, two apartments below mine because she was in the apartment and she was an invalid. She couldn't get out of the apartment. She had security windows up, so they couldn't get into the windows, and she perished in the fire. So that's a lot of medical, uh, psychological trauma just in my household right now because my wife uh, was breathing in black smoke. My daughter, they were panicking. They they didn't do all the procedures they know to do because as Brother Yusuf told me, when, when, the, when the rubber hits the pavement, I don't want to use the terms we use in private, but when the rubber hits the road, it's a whole different than than a uh, than a drill. So we need some type of guidance on what medicines are good, what not. I know that black people are built different than white people. Most of medicine and most of the therapies that they recommend, the groups they they study it's are each other. We have a whole different psychic, and we've been in combat zones. We were we have we are twenty generations into a combat zone called America, and we don't even realize it. We we kind of like take it for granted. We are been traumatized over and over again. And as a good friend of mine says, pain does not get transformed, gets transferred. And we've been transferring pain to each other since uh, the slave ships left uh, the, the shores of Africa. I'm going to leave it right there. I'm going to let y'all deal with my, my crazy question. Can you repeat the question, brother, again? Okay, one, will y'all be writing a book on the medicines and the proper uh, things to look out for, especially when we're dealing with our, uh, our young people, our children, our grandchildren, and our elderly, when we can see, probably try to catch somebody before they go into a full schism. That's number one. Number two, I was going to mention this, but I forgot to mention chemtrails. Y'all already talked about environmental issues such as food, and the, in New York City, we have a big problem with the water. And now they put in M- MCPs into the food, even though it's organic, they keep the food lasting uh, three years shelf life. What does that affect they're having on our people mentally? Because I've been noticing that a lot of black children, especially the gifted males, are committing suicide. And I don't find that as being a coincidence. Oh, okay. Yes, sir. I, I understand. Uh, I don't have any books that I've written, although, and I would love to be a part of one if that's something, because it is something that's needed. I will most definitely agree with you 
some of the things, but there are, there's information out there that we can grab just the average person that has a telephone with internet service or a computer. And just to Google, you know, a little bit of information about schizophrenia and episodes and if it's a paranoia, because schizophrenia, it's like some regular term, it means a person that has a lot of scattered thoughts. Now, all of us could have scattered thoughts from time to time, but racing thoughts, continuous, ongoing. Sometimes people have a little paranoia with that, which causes them to second guess and be skeptical and, you know, keep asking. And, and they're not really, you can tell that they're not in the, the environment's reality. You can tell that they are a bit detached and they're questioning what's going on, why he keep coming over here. Why she keep looking at me? They're beginning to question things in the environment that average person would not. And it's beginning to take their attention away more than it should. So we've all walked up the street or gone to someone's house, and we've walked into an environment, and there's a couple people looking at us strange. We may verbalize that, you know, or we may just, just keep an eye on them for a minute until we figure out their movements. But once you kind of know someone's having an episode of something or something is progressing in terms of mental challenges, they will just um, become obsessive with their thoughts or they'll become over, they'll over question things in the environment. A lot of schizophrenics develop schizophrenia around the age of 18 to 22, a year off in each direction, depending on male, female. So it could be early or for uh, female later for male, a little later for male than female, but they that's the age. There's a lot of chemical changes that occur and environmental things. Usually 18 is the age where you become an adult or what you think so or what other people think. So the other people have expectations of you just because of a number that you may not actually be at the developmental process to um, execute a lot of those demands, which causes pressure. You know how you can have two brothers that have the same mother and father, but they one has challenges that the other one does not, but they grew up in the same house they have because we're all different. There are no two snowflakes alike. There are no two raindrops alike. Definitely not two human beings. So when you find one person that struggles in a mental way, we oftentimes compare them to their sibling or someone else their age that we know is not having that struggle. And we somehow believe that in doing that, it will make them come out of their challenge, and it will be self-corrected because we pointed it out. No, sir, no, ma'am. That usually does not happen. They continue until it is addressed, you know. So just being mindful of mental health challenges or mental wellness is like any other challenge a person has, we just have to figure out how to navigate it and not be ashamed of it and not try to talk it into something else. Call a spade a spade. If this person is hearing voices, don't make it seem like they're just different. Oh, shit, go find why. Ask the voice or go to a professional that, can, that they can explain what the voices are saying. I just worked with a patient, I mean, a, 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 a um a client earlier today that was struggling with committing her son. We've been talking about this for a while. She has a young son. He's 20. He has, he hears voices from time to time. Um, 
she's been working with him, trying to get him, but a little he's a little resistant. We understand that. So today she was like, you know, now it's a report he's touched someone out in the community. See, now you got to deal with that shit. Oh, excuse me, brother. I do apologize. Now you got to deal with that. No, ma'am. That's so, fully allowed on Black Home Radio, sister. You can say I'm that. Sorry, do I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry about that, sir. That was just because I, I was a little, a little passionate, you know, a little passionate there. But because when we've been discussing these things for more than seven months, you know, so now you had a seven-month window to go and seek out professional help for your son, but you didn't really want him to be known as BAM. But now he's known as BAM and BAM, and that second BAM is different, right? Because when, when we get to touching on people and children and all that stuff out in the community, now we're seen and we're labeled differently. Now we got to go into a different bag to unpack. And let's say you get in that bag and you can't navigate through their system of sexual pedophile being on the registry, having to report, not being able to be near a school, not being able to live at a school, not being able to. So sometimes our hesitancy is from a place of pride, and that pride is false because we want to believe that we're seen as this person, you know, the Joneses, keeping up with the Joneses they used to say. But we're ashamed of these things that we have going on, so we pretend that they're not for fear that they will find out, right? But if we do not address certain issues, as painful as it can be, then we then they grow into other ones. Now we really can't manage that. So right. I just gave that example just for us to kind of put it into perspective. There are places that are here for us to get information to help us make an informed decision. Child is struggling mentally. Don't ignore it. Don't say, well, you know, they had trauma. Uh Uh-huh, they did. What about today? What can we do right now? Because they're no longer being traumatized. So we can't use the past. I I don't want to call you wisdom. I just want to add one thing to it. I'm talking from personal experience and not talking uh, theoretical. I'm talking actual dealt with it. Uh, yeah. Not me personally, but my family member. At college, she got diagnosed as schizophrenic. Luckily, when we got her home, we were able to go, go, go get her, bring her home, and we got uh, the person who saved her life is Dr. Uh, uh, Brother Dr. Uh, uh, oh my God. May Allah forgive me. I just forgot Brother's name. Maybe I'm not supposed to mention it. Uh, but he, he intervened and got her, stopped her from giving her medication for schizophrenia, which would have fried her brain cells. When we got her home, we found a black therapist, and she says, no, she is suffering from manic depression. So, so many black people are diagnosed with schizophrenia, but they're really manic depressors. And during that manic stage, they may seem like they're schizophrenia. And that's the stuff I worry about as a black man in the black community. Our people are always misdiagnosed and over-medicated and taken down a road that is to a path of no return. And I understand what you're talking about, not waiting and not fooling yourself that this person is sick. I wouldn't, I agree with you a thousand percent, but also the other side of it is that you're putting yourself in the hands of some people who are diabolical and don't care. And they don't even have to be white because once you grow up in that system, 
of how you diagnose people, you just follow the leader or you follow what the a pharmaceutical company say, this is what you do because they control the health industry. So I'm asking my sisters on this phone who are learned and experienced, they need to write a book. They need to help us because we're about to go through some dark times and a lot of our people are going to be institutionalized unnecessarily. Sorry, I was waiting to see if, if um, you had completed it. And um, that what you added about your friend or your niece, I'm sorry, the young lady, the young sister who was at school, you know, that's still usually around that age that I mentioned where there's a lot of pressure sometimes. And you get in an environment and there's pressure and there's demands, and sometimes it can cause us to kind of short circuit, I would just say. And that's a wonderful thing. I'm so glad to hear that, that she was able to get help because you are correct. A lot of the medications that they try on us, because they are still practicing as well, they're in their practice, doctors. And remember, they don't live any longer than their patients. So we can we have to kind of seek out our own information so we can be informed and know how to navigate in that system if we have to take medication. Being manic depressant is a kind of the thing where, you know, that person just, just stays up all night or they stay up and they're very high You would, and they're just zooming. You know, they may be working on a project. They may be studying. It may start with that. And then it just goes off into something that's a little bit far out there, not sleeping, not resting, not communicating with reason. And then they crash, you know, bipolar, up, down, up, down, you know, manic depressants. A lot of young people, even when um, going to college, striving to do the best thing that they think will be good for their life, struggle in that way where their um, brains are just overworked at times and it gets into a pattern, you know what I'm saying? But it's because of pressure and not being balanced. And so as we grow in life, we know that most of us on the line have crossed that age of being teenagers. And we remember when there were challenges and we didn't think we were going to make it through. We did, thank God, but it was a struggle. And sometimes people get stuck in that. We need to be kind of mindful of that, be more uh, sensitive and understanding and seek more knowledge to be more understanding and more helpful. Thank you. No, we thank you, dear sister. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Brother Foss, for that question, brother. I don't know if sister... Chantel would like to address uh, a part of your question. Sister Chantel, are you there? I'm here. I'm, no, sir. I believe Sister Melanie, she answered it very well. Thank you. Yes, again, thank you, and thank you, Sister Melanie. Brother Forrest, when I listened to your question, as complex as it is, brother, it made me think about the first time when the Black Family Summit sat with the administration of the American Red Cross, and um, I kept hearing uh, the Black Family Summit social workers, psychologists, psychiatrists use this term, cultural competencies, cultural competencies. And the reason why we were around the table was because when disaster struck, natural disaster struck certain cities, there were other folk that were working on, let's just say, the community in New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina, and a lot of black professionals had difficulty getting in 
that they could offer cultural competencies, knowing that our people feel more comfortable, particularly being traumatized, in speaking to somebody who looks like them. And you're right, too, because even though they're professionals, there's some who are working still in the system, a systematic way of things, and the system itself, even though it has a lot going forward in terms of uh, options to help you, it's like um, a balancing act because on the other side of that is really devilishment, if the truth be told. That's why I uh, mentioned the books early on, Medical Apartheid, uh, by Harriet A. Washington and Dr. Uh, Student Minister Wesley Muhammad's book, Understanding the Assault on the Black Man, Black Manhood, and Black Masculinity, because it speaks to the other side of what these institutions uh, have historically been about. So that was the first thing. And, of course, if we just talk about the pandemic and the vaccines, um, it reminds me of uh, Brother Rudolph who want me to recite Gil Scott Heron, the poet, musician, that talked about the Tuskegee, uh, the Tuskegee experiment where he yes, would sir, say Tuskegee 626, scientists getting their kicks where brothers you dig are guinea pigs for vicious experiments. And when I talked about me experiencing it personally, it was because of my firstborn son who was in and out of the system. May Allah be pleased with him. He passed away uh, in 2018, the same year that the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan and Sister Khadijah Farrakhan's son, uh, Louis Jr., passed away. So that's what came to my mind. And then when Sister talked about, and you too, Brother Forrest, generations of, of, of the trauma, there's a word called epigenetics, E-P-I-G-E-N-E-T-I-C-S, epigenetics, which for lack of a better term is the study, how, the study of how your behaviors and environment can cause changes that affect the way your genes work. Unlike genetic genes, epigenetic changes are reversible and do not change your DNA sequence, but they can change how your body reads a DNA sequence. Now, that's a layman's term to some and a scientific term to others, but I never forget one of the sons of the most honorable Elijah Muhammad, uh, our dear brother, brother Rasul Muhammad, the brother of brother student minister Ishmael, the national assistant to the honorable minister Louis Farrakhan. He labeled DNA, which is a scientific term, as the divine nature of Allah. And so all that I'm hearing our subject matter experts say uh, today, uh, get your foundation. If it's not prayer, then meditation. Get back to the center of yourself. That's what came to my mind, uh, Brother Forrest, when I listened to your uh, most profound question. And back to that cultural competency thing, 
You know, I uh, heard a sister say just the other day that when we talk about healing ourselves, it should be like, what was that clothing line back in the 90s called FUBU, for us, by us? She put it this way. When you talk about assessing our people's condition, as multi-level as it is, it should be nothing about us without us. So thank you, Brother Forrest. I'm sorry. Well, brother, I say we're at 543. All right. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you, beloved. We're at 543 p.m. Eastern Standard Time here on this week's edition of Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness. We've been joined by our dear sister, Sister Chantel Muhammad, who has a deep passion for holistic health, and our dear sister, Sister Melody, who's a psychotherapist, uh, I don't want to say former social worker, but she's still into uh, diagnosis from what she's been uh, blessed to um, learn. And as she's still learning, she's in position to, to heal those who uh, desire to be healed. So we thank you, dear sisters, for sharing your expertise. Um, Sister Chantel, Sister Melody, uh, any we have 15 minutes left. Feel free to make any closing remarks, if you will, uh, relative to uh, our discussion on black mental health this week or something you may have omitted that you think our listening audience definitely needs to hear. Yes, sir. Uh, again, thank you for having me on. And I, I just wanted to remind everyone um just, just be watchful. Just always be watchful, especially around your food and beverages, um, because there have been instances where things have been slipped into people's food and beverages, and next thing you know, they're never the same. Mm-hmm. Because you, you, you're not yourself after ingesting that food or beverage. So there are things out there that people can slip into your food or beverage that can make you other than self. Thank you, dear sister. That's critically important. Let's be watchful at nights during times of meetings. That's right. We're in a dark hour. Thank you so much. I think Erica Badu said, and then you slipped me a Mickey. This is no joke, brothers and sisters. This is no joke. Sister Chantel. Yes, sir. That was my. That was me. <laughs> oh, that was you. I'm sorry, dear sister. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Forgive me. It's okay. Sister Melanie. Yes, sir. I I agree with Sister Chantel that we need to be mindful of what we wear our food and our drinks because people have they've been they plan to do those type of things. They go out in the community looking for someone that can be their target for whatever their twisted thing that goes on in between their two ears is. We don't know. But you do have to be mindful. For young people that go out and we have parties and they are involved in groups, be watchful of those around you. You know, be careful. Limit yourself to one drink if you're a drinker. Or make sure you're checking what's going on, what you're inhaling, what you're taking in. Because once that one wrong drink or that one wrong substance 
is in something and it causes you to have an interruption, and it's kind. sometimes it's difficult to just come back off or get back on track. Some stay out there, if you, if you can um, say that. Some stay out there. They can't come back. It's difficult mm-hmm. for them to transition back because, remember, doing that causes an altering of the mind anyway. That's the whole reason. When I work with uh, younger people that try to make me think weed is natural, even though they grow it in a best-to-spill basement, and I have all kind of chemicals in it, smells like something terrible when they smoke it. It's nothing like, you know, the weed from when we were younger, the marijuana, excuse me. But they try, you know, they'll try to make me think when we're in conversations in group that weed is natural and it's okay. And the one thing, I, I don't even have an argument for that, because if that's what you think, yes, okay, great. The The point I strive to make is if everything's fine and everything's great, and you love yourself and you love life and you love where you are, you're content where you are. We could even do content. If it's that, what would make you want to constantly spend your money Mm -hmm. that you probably do not have to change your reality, right? Because that's all getting high does. It changes the reality. It makes you think it's not that bad. It helps you to relax. But if things if your regular life is manageable, if we work more on making that the best place to be, what's in front of us, what's happening right now, me being on the line at 548 today, not what's going to happen in an hour, not what happened two years ago, not what my mama didn't do when I was 10, but right now, being, being um, content and in the now to making it the best that it can be and always focusing on the best part or the best part of a person even when they are the person that's getting on your nerves or doing something you don't like. Those are the type of things that help you get back in balance. When you can say, okay, I don't like this situation. I'm acknowledging that. I don't even like what's going on right now. What's the easiest thing for me to do? I'm safe. It'll be over soon. Now that's to prevent from going off, right? Smacking somebody or cussing someone out or even doing something worse. This will be over soon. It's not going to last forever. Sometimes you have to tell yourself these things so you can stay in a frame of mind that's safe for you. Mm-hmm. Last thing I'd like to share is a just a story real quickly about my grandmother. My grandmother, she passed away when I was about 19. Nonetheless, is my father's mother. Uh, she was a very uh, mean person, I would say. She wasn't like the granny. You always talk about granny, granny, not that type. But what I learned as a young person, I mean, a little older, didn't know this when I was younger, is that she suffered from schizophrenia. And she would act out. She would have episodes. And her episodes looked like yelling and throwing stuff and saying stuff that wasn't so pleasant. And sometimes she would get in a manic stage as well, so she suffered from a little bipolar, and she would go on these extensive shopping sprees. And I remember a couple Mm -hmm. of her children, because she had 12, was one of, um, my father was one of her 12. They would try, some would try to make it seem like it was almost funny, right? That's the way they managed with her. They laughed. They would minimize it. So when she would go out and cuss the lady out at the the corner store, say, Mama, Mama, show did tell her. They would make light of it. 
or they would justify it by thinking it was normal behavior. It's not normal to use swear words for every time something does not go your way as a grown-up. It's not normal to be known to go off and just target people. and That's not normal. So sometimes we have to really look at things and say, okay, this is what it is. She hasn't taken her medication because that was the effect of what was occurring mm-hmm. with my grandmother at the time. My mother was able to explain to us when we were younger that my grandmother was different. She, Of course, she wouldn't talk about her mother-in-law, but she shared with us she's different. And when her medication, they don't give her her medication, this is the way she acts. So since she's since passed, one of the things that my um, mother and my father you explained to us is that some people in our family have these things that happen to them similar to her, making us aware. So if you start to not be able to sleep, this is what they told us, if you find yourself you know, getting really angry and you can't calm yourself down, let me know because I'll take you somewhere and get you some help. He was more so afraid, my father, that we would end up like his mother if he didn't. You see what I mean? So he was on mm-hmm. the preventative side. He was teaching us about, hey, look, I know this lady now. One thing I know is her. And this is what starts to happen. She doesn't sleep. Then she starts getting louder. Then she'll start wanting to go out and stay out and stay in JCPenney's all day and then go to the next store and then go to the next store. And he, he started to describe behaviors that were alarms for us to know within ourselves this is good this is good when we can look at ourselves and our families and say i love you yet just be mindful this could occur and and this is what it could look like in your life doesn't have to be then you'll notice it within self you'll notice that when you start getting a little impulsive and I, and I recognize it now. When my impulsivity spikes, I'll be like, oh, sh- oh, sh- oh, hold on, because it can get out of hand. <laughs> right, it's my, right, it's right. my alarm. Because those mm-hmm. are the ways that we start to notice. And people just think people automatically just start talking to themselves and hearing all voices. It's not always like that. Mm-hmm. It's not, it, can be, it can be the form of anger. You know, it mm-hmm. can. You just, you just get mad and you're... Your way of handling whatever's going on inside, whatever, you know, is occurring that you didn't like is just going off, smacking somebody, banging a car in, road rage. I mean, these things that shouldn't take you that far away from where you are naturally, but they can. So there's just knowing, looking at your family, looking at yourself, and knowing that we all are different, yet be mindful and be able to and willing to discuss without fear of judgment that this is what you need to be aware of. And do you feel like this sometimes, son? Son, do you feel like sometimes you don't want to be here? Well, what happens when you get like that? Getting really into the nitty-gritty of conversation with those you say you love. So, you don't, so you're not on the side of the casket looking down, thinking and wishing what you should have done. Thank you. Hmm. This is a wonderful show, by the way. Thank you so much. No, we thank you, Sister Melanie. Beautiful testimony, thank first you. of all, for your grandmother and then for yourself. 
and uh, as you were speaking, I saw many traits of uh, what you shared that I saw in my son, you know, in terms of buying this, that, and the other when he got at a certain point of his uh, his mood swings, if you, if you will. And uh, Sister Chantel, thank you, thank you, thank you for bringing up to be watchful about food and beverages because I personally believe with my son that started him on the trend of dealing with all these uh, institutions and psychotropic uh, drugs that, you know, they play Russian roulette with. And, again, Brother Rudolph, it reminded me of another Gil Scott Heron piece called Angel yes, Dust. And he has a yeah. lyric that says, because he was grooving, and that was when he could have sworn the room was moving. Hey, but that was only part of his mind because he was sailing. He never really seemed to notice vision failing. Hey, because that was all part of the high. The sweat was pouring. He couldn't take it. The room was exploding. He might not make it. Sing angel dust. Oh, sing it, right? I got to sing it. They said it was angel dust. Said don't need nobody, no good. Angel dust. But down some dead-end streets, there ain't no turning back. So I thank you, Sister Melanie. Sister Chantel, we have uh, four minutes left. If there's anything you'd like to add to the conversation, uh, we are eternally grateful for you and Sister Melanie for blessing us uh, on disaster awareness for community preparedness this week. And let not this be your last time. Sister Chantel? Yes, I, I feel honored to be on the same panel with Sister Melanie. I mean, wealth of information and uh, I mean, just, just breath of fresh air. Thank you so much, Sister Melanie. Praise be Thank to you, Allah. Sister well, Brother Listen, listen, I'm here. Hold on, hold on. Before, because they sounding, they're making it sound like they're getting ready to hang up, and that's going to be it. They they never going to talk to each other again. No, we need a part two. And here's the part two. That's right. Y'all can start doing your homework right now. The part two is the school system. There, in certain states, mm. there are laws that they can medicate your child and don't even have to notify you as the adult. How do we protect our children against this conspiracy to direct them directly into the prisons, the pipeline for prisons from the school system? So that's that's the next show. So that, that I, you know, each of you can uh, start doing your homework on that. And what we want out of that one, we want some coping mechanisms. We want some some alternatives. We want some um, treat, treatment uh, 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 alternatives. Um, Sister Chantel, specifically from you, what are some of the foods that a person can ingest, uh, vitamins that a person can ingest that can do the same thing that those toxic medications. See, because, again, it's not so much the medication. 
medication five years from now, ten years from now, now what has it done to you? And so that's what that's where I'm coming from with this. So if there is something else that can be out that's out there that can they can ingest, use, take, um, that can bring this about the same desired effect, what is it? Where do they get it? All right, Sister Santel? Yes, if sir. you can work on that. Thank you, ma'am. I appreciate it. Love you. Thank you so much. Sister Melanie, um, yours is, again, the school system. The school system. How has this thing, this mental health thing morphed in the school system to the point where, oh, man, you know, an outburst from your child could land your child in jail? You sent them to school today, mm-hmm. and they 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 they, they, they in prison now mm. because of an argument they had, because of a, a disagreement, because they um, couldn't express themselves, and they just went off. A- and somebody from the school just took it upon themselves to have your child committed, and now you have to fight to get your child out of the system. Thank you, ma'am. Yes, sir. Brother Rudolph. Uh, Brother yes, Rudolph. Sir. May I yes. add to that, assignment? Go ahead. Sisters. Yes, sir. <laughs> I got so much stress in you, but it's, when sister was speaking, it reminded me of my aunt had been raped when she was five years old. I didn't know that until after she was dead. My, mother, my grandmother, my father's mother, was severely beaten by my grandfather almost to the point of death in front of her children, to the point where my father and two of his sisters were getting ready to kill him two days before he died. Those deep, dark secrets that we hide in the black family that we don't tell that our parents and grandparents don't get help for, and therefore these mental conditions become to get formed. So I'm adding that to your plate of to do this. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And great point. I'm so glad you brought that up. Thank you. Thank you, sisters. Love y'all. Yeah. Thank you, Brother Forrest. Yeah, bro, bro, brother Yusuf, you can take us out. I'm done, brother. Thank you, sir. What? Oh, thank oh, you, oh, Brother Ludo. Say, brother Yusuf, make the Savior's Day announcement. Well, you always up in my head. You sure you're not a psychologist, brother? Come on, man. Radio <laughs> in the head. You know I'm going to say he came that we, we may just... have life. Savior's Day yes, 20. Sir. 24, we're on our way there, Brother Rudolph, to Detroit, Lord willing, inshallah, where the Nations of Islam Convention returns to Detroit, February 23rd through the 25th, as the world anticipates hearing and witnessing the critical keynote message by the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, quote, what does Allah, the great Mahdi, and the great Messiah have to say about the war? in the Middle East. So as our dear sister Olita Adams would, would say, I could hear Minister Farrakhan say, I don't care how you get here, get here if you can. Savior's Day, 2024, yes, the largest and most beautiful family reunion. It is the crowning event of Black History Month. So even with these few words shared by me and we, I guess it's still the way it used to be. The strength of a nation is its family, and real freedom is 
responsibility, the ability to respond legitimately by any means necessary. Happy Savior's Day. Thank you for tuning in. And inshallah, we'll get with you next week, same time, same station. We love you. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. I can I Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.